Well, hello, and welcome to episode 18 of the Bomb City Podcast. Man, thank you so much for listening. I can't believe we're at 18 already. This has gone by pretty quick. My name is Nick, and if this is your first time listening, thank you so much for checking us out. And if you're a returning listener, thanks for coming back. This is my interview with Scotty Chops over at his shop in Hayward, California. I had such a great time talking to him. I thought the interview went really well. Super inspiring, man. I I just finished up cutting together the audio for it, and I want to get out in the garage and get to work. So I, I got nothing else to add. Really fun interview. I hope you guys dig it. Here it is. Episode 18 of the Bomb City Podcast. Scotty Chops. Thank you so much for listening. Push, turn it on, push that. Wow. It's like... That's pretty awesome. Totally. And you see, like, you can go crazy and get, like, the mics that stick, like, right in your face. I've had like, that. The radio ones where you have to, like, actually talk into the... I've had the ones here. I've had uh, the big, like, boom. Yeah. It's the just... Boom, a, those freak me it out. just makes you more nervous, dude. You know what I mean? You're like, this, what the fuck is this thing saying in my face? Totally. So, I'll, like, when I, I turn this thing on, it's, it's on now just because I can clip off whatever it's in mm-hmm. Just keep an eye on the time and the battery, and that's it. Yeah, that's rad. No level of on the... Yeah, it's, the technology that. nowadays is pretty crazy, dude. Yeah. I actually think it's getting too advanced. Could be, yeah. Uh, well, think about it, dude. You got, like, people losing jobs because you got all those electronical check stands. Yeah. Dude, that's all potential jobs. You totally. know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. That's a whole another conversation, <laughs> dude. <laughs> yeah. But it's crazy that the technology nowadays is pretty intense. You know? I mean, you literally could live your whole life on your phone, dude. Oh, totally. There are podcasters that record on their phone. Dude, from gnarly. Their Before, back in the days, Winfield, Hines, Barris, all, they had to go to the shows. Yeah. They had to po- be in the magazines. That's how they got to be famous. You know what I mean? Like winning stuff, building cool shit. Now, dude, you just, yeah. you know, post a picture on Instagram and then... I don't know. It's it's a trip, dude. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, not as much legwork as it used to be, you know? Definitely. I actually feel like the the ease of posting stuff with cars changes the way people build them these days. Yeah. It's like, remember, like, you know, shows like Paso where you build a car for the show? Yeah. That's the only absolutely time right. See it, right. Yeah, I miss that show, too. But, yeah. So, I, <clears throat> my prime times, like, growing up was, well, I would say my prime time with cars in the 90s. You know, MySpace just started coming around, mm-hmm. you know, and it was like, whoa, this is cool, you know, look at, holy shit, this dude liked my thing, or, you know, but it was easier then, but before, prior to that, yeah, you had to go to the show, you, I mean, that was only, like, remember Cow Palace? Yeah. Dude, such an epic show, man, I miss that show, The Suede Room. That was so much fun. Yeah, ah, dude, it was so rad. Yeah. If I could just go back and, like, relive some of that, it'd be so awesome, dude. Yeah, it's hard to explain to people that didn't see it, but it was like it it had a different feel. It was a different soul. Like it had its own. Dude, I don't know. It's the people and everything and the car. It just seemed more pure for me. Like you knew who was gonna be upstairs and where they were gonna be parked. Like you knew, like this is where Dion Steele's gonna be. Starbird's in town. He's gonna be right here. Yeah, Oz, all those guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oz, like the Discovery Base or stuff. You knew that was going to be front and center, but you had no idea we were going to show up to the basement. It was, it it was epic, that. dude. It was so epic, man. I really, really missed that show. Yeah. What a bummer that it's not around. Really? Yeah. Did you make it to that last show out there? Mm-hmm. That was, that was weird. Like, I really wanted to enjoy it, but we were like, <laughs> yeah. were up in the bike room or something like that? I actually had a car that I had built there. Yeah, it was upstairs. Everything was upstairs. 
I, I remember that. I actually think we were yeah. pretty close to you. Everything was upstairs. Yeah, I didn't. It wasn't the same. Just wasn't the same vibe, nah. I think there was something about us being separated, you know, being downstairs in our own little yeah. cave, you know what I mean? I remember by the end of the day, I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but there was like a whole bunch of those little rascal electric chairs that were down in the basement. <laughs> I don't know if there was a charging station or something, because they seemed to all get stuck down there. Right. But by the end of the show on like Sunday night. That's funny. I've been to a lot of shows. I've been to the Lowrider shows in the 90s at that place. But by far that, the Cow Palace, so that was by far my favorite, dude. Because yeah. you guys started more or less with low riding, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Is it recording? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, that's me seamlessly <laughs> okay. transitioning. Into- okay. <clears throat> so, yeah. I um, I was always really into cars, like, growing up. I used to draw them. You know, I'd see them on TV or whatever. But no one in my family ever influenced me mm-hmm. on, on the stuff. You know, I was really into skateboarding. And... Um, I never, I don't know, man. I just, it was just always been in me, dude. I never, it was nothing that was like, hey, you should do this or, dude, everything was just, it was already a fire kindling, you know, it's already starting, you know what I mean, as a kid. And then as I got older, um, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, I think this was in like 92, 93, they came out with their videos, you know, I had ended up changing schools and I was, you know, seeing their videos with Lowrider, I was like, wow, dude, this shit's awesome. The fucking cars are jumping and, and like the neighborhood that I lived in prior, like there would be some low riders cruising around, which was awesome to see, you know. You grew up or- in in the Bay Area, yeah, uh, mostly in San Mateo. Um, like I think in the early '90s, it was like the '80s. You know, the low riders were still big, you know. And like seeing, I don't know, it just I was just so drawn to it, dude. I don't know what it was. It 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 could have been muscle cars, it could have been something. I don't know. I was just so drawn to low riders. You know, I it's kind of funny we sort of talked about this in the past, but I grew up in Livermore, and in the 90s, I remember Low Vintage was like, I, I think they were out on the south side of town, I remember they had a Botel Ruby with some murals on the trunk, mm-hmm. and it was just, just cool as fuck. I mean, there was nothing else like it. You know? I used to be a part of that club, actually. Yeah. I was in that club in the San Francisco chapter. Yeah, I don't know, man. But mind you, when in the early 90s, 92, 93, I was 12, 13 years old, dude. I, I'm still kind of just like seeing stuff you know what I mean and I don't know what the hell it was dude I just I don't know it consumed me dude it's crazy yeah. you know I again I already had this burning in me you know hot wheels I like, always had a car always had a remote control car like cars 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 you know and then um Snoop Dogg came out Dr. Dre they came out with their stuff it just fed the fire even more I started getting into building model cars and I would take um you know the little frogs? Like, you would squeeze the thing and the hop, the frog would hop? Uh-huh. Yeah, I would take the legs off of that and glue it to the wheels of the model so the model would jump. <laughs> Dude, it was so rad. I used to take my mom's necklaces and, like, cut them up and make chain steering wheels. I'm, like, fucking 12 years old. <laughs> yeah, I definitely got my ass chewed for that, but I don't know. It was fun. I, I looked forward to going home and building my models. You know, it was just... A time, I don't know. I felt it felt so right, you know what I mean. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, um, I was started hanging out at the skateboard shop called All Skate, you know. Um, and that's when I kind of really felt like I started living life, you know what I mean. Like everything I was all about, you know, punk rock music, skateboarding, low riders. Those guys, um, really got into low rider bikes, you know. So I started getting into that, started building low rider bikes, 
<clears throat> and then that turned into um, getting into the cars. My first car was a 67 Impala. Nice. Of course. It's going to be a full-blown lowrider, you know. I didn't know anything about fucking cars. I didn't know shit, you know. Had a problem with it. Open the hood, fix it, figure it out, you know. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't have, you know, internet really to look anything. Actually, I don't think we had internet at all. Yeah. 96, 97. Was there internet back then? I don't think so. There was. I mean, my my dad worked at a, a lab, so we, we actually had this set up where we could... We had a dial-up modem where I could call into my dad's work to access the internet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's rad. But yeah, we didn't. I didn't have any of that stuff. I had to like go to the library. You know, yeah. the only time I went to the library was to go get a Chilton's book or something. You know what I mean? I remember my hometown library had that that the text whatever that how to chop tops book. I have that. I check that thing out like every every other week. I actually tried using that thing. Is they it, left out all the important stuff. Totally. Like, <laughs> yeah, you cut the roof off and you put it back on. Yeah, and then like the next yeah, basically <laughs> you're like, all right, cut cut this, cut. And then the style too wasn't really much of a style. Yeah. I, I tried to reference as much as I could off the thing. It just it didn't. They really did leave out the important stuff. Totally. You know. Um, but yeah, so like, you know, figuring out a problem with the car. You know, it was kind of like, okay, shit, I'm going to O'Reilly. Okay, um, who can help me? Well, I don't know anybody, you know. And then, like, I wanted the car low, so I just took all the springs out. And literally drove the fucking wow. car with no springs in it, dude. I didn't give a shit, but it looked cool. Yeah. <laughs> dude, I destroyed the bottom of that car. And then I got another one, same thing. Springs came out, you know. Always wanted hydraulics, couldn't afford it, you know. And a lot of all this stuff growing up is not being able to afford it. And that's why I had to learn how to do it myself. But I have, like, so much drive to, like, if I'm really into something, dude, nothing's getting in my way. Like, it's full blast. I'm going to get it figured out, you know. Um, but, yeah, like, growing up, like, skateboarding was huge for me. Like, that, I thought that was going to be my life career. I mean, I loved it so much. It's all I did. Like, even in school, dude, I didn't even, I couldn't concentrate. You know, in school, like I actually didn't do that well. I did really good in math, like science and lunch. You know, <laughs> eating is a is a favorite too. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, skating. Skating was a big part. You know, skating. Then we used to go to shows all the time, and my mom was always so cool and, and like supportive of it. You know, like I was. 16 years old out till two in the morning skating with those with these older guys that i looked up to and the rad part about that whole thing about all skate and the guys they were my mentors mm -hmm. they were punk rock you know some of them were hip-hop but they were all drug free yeah. straight edge you know and like i think those guys inspired a lot in my life because i looked up to them especially the owner of the all skate like i really looked up to him a lot he was a business owner mm -hmm. you know um I would say that was probably like a big portion of my life and who I am today is just because of that, you know, <clears throat> like I said, I didn't feel like I started living life until I started like hanging out at that place, you know, just, just seeing that this was, it was me. It was who I am. These guys, these guys were just like me, you know, kind of fuck ups, you know what I mean? And like just into cool shit, like the stuff that I'm into, you know, where like you go to school you're like, okay, is this guy like me or not? You know, you're still trying to find yourself. But, dude, I would ditch school. My friend, he's like, oh, let's ditch. And I was like, no, I don't know. It's not. I mean, I'm 14, 15 years old. No, I don't know. Like, I'm all scared. And then we did it. And I was like, screw this shit. I'm never going back. 
So like it was like sophomore year in high school, I started ditching. I never went back, dude. I just started hanging out at the skate shop, started skating. I ended up getting sponsored. I was doing some competitions. Competitions not my thing. It was more or less hanging out with the guys and having fun. But I was sponsored for a while. Yeah, and that was like that was my whole life with skating. And then in two thousand one, I broke my knee. And I had to have surgery and everything that kind of ended it for me. And I tried to come back from it after that, and it just didn't, it yeah. didn't work, dude. Like I was just, I was scared, you know, to hurt my knee again because I was a year without walking and stuff. Oh. Well, I didn't have healthcare, you know, and with the crappy system that we had then, you know, I had to wait eight months to have surgery, wow. you know. So it was like eight months of like eight months of my buddy taking me on a radio flyer <laughs> with our fishing shit. Every day we would go out to the bay and fish, and he'd pull me in this little radio flyer. <laughs> I couldn't walk. It was pretty rad, but it was fun, you know. Um, but so me hurting myself actually opened up a, another door, and this is one of those transitions in life where you're like, "Okay, this sucks. I'm never gonna be able to skate again. Damn it!" But what you don't realize that you're actually closing a door and opening a new one. You know, I was really heavy into low riding at the time. You know, I wasn't anybody in the low rider scene, but uh, Street Low Magazine started in 98, 99. I used to volunteer with them. Um, I would go to shows with them. I did the Selena show. Uh, I used to do a lot of stuff with the help with the magazine. It was cool. I was young. I think I was 17, 18 at the time doing it. You know, I looked up to those guys. I mean, I was really big in the Lord. And I'm like, dude, I'm working for these guys. You know, this is so rad. Like, fucking cool cars everywhere. You know. Then I got into my first car, my first lowrider club, and it was like the most amazing thing in the world. Um, what was the club name? Um, After Images. They were from mostly from Half Moon Bay. Made some good friends with those guys, and then a couple of the guys split off, and I split off with them, and they ended up becoming All Eyes on Us, which was a San Mateo-based car club. Um, I hung out with those guys for a couple of years, and then I started going to more shows and started hanging out with some other guys from South City. And that's when I ended up joining uh, Low Vintage. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was in that club for a while. Did a lot of cool stuff. A lot of cool guys. Um, the Frisco chapter ended up closing down. And then I sold my Lowrider, which was a 64 Impala Super Sport convertible. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of really wanted to get into the custom stuff. I always wanted a chop top. And... Um, I don't know, like with low riding, kind of in back then had its affiliations with like gang stuff and all. It was just kind of stressful. I was not a gang member. I was not a tough guy. Didn't care for it. I just loved the cars, but it was kind of stressful, like going to stuff and wondering if something's gonna happen. You know what I mean? It was a lot different then than it is now. Now it's easier to drive a low. You're okay. It's okay. You know, before yeah. back then, you're like, you don't know if you're gonna get stabbed or. Something. You know what I mean? It's just, it was a trip, and I didn't want no part of it. You know, so I stopped. Got into the hot rod stuff. It was awesome, you know. Great people, great vibe. People are being creative, you know. Like people are super stoked. Not that the guys in the scene weren't super stoked, you know, but it's just just a different realm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, so I sold my Impala. I got a '52 Chevy, piece of crap, you know. But it's what I could afford. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, didn't know how to chop the top. I got that book that we talked about, Tech Smith. Yeah. It didn't help me for shit, you know. <laughs> Um, I actually, and, and, um, car culture deluxe or old school rods was kind of just coming out, you know what I mean? And, uh, voodoo Larry was on there with that green 52 Chevy that he did. And I ended up calling him. Wow. The guy don't know me for shit. I'm fucking nobody. 
you know, I'm just some squirmy ass little kid that wants to build cool shit. You know what I mean? That guy actually spent hours with me on the phone explaining to me how to do the top, how, where to cut, how to style it. And like for him to spend three, four hours on the phone with me and like, I'm nobody. It's pretty rad, dude. That's you know, awesome. it's, it's pretty rad. And then, and then to speed up to today, like now we're friends and like, dude, like his conversation with me was a part of me being who I am today. You know, like little did he know he was inspiring some little kid to be something, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. It's fucking rad, dude. So, and I ended up working on chopping the roof. My buddy was helping me. Uh, he had a job that required him to work a lot and he left the welder there and I had so much drive and so much like, Oh my God, I want to do this. I want to do it, but I can't cause I can't weld. I suck. You your, your friend was gonna do all the welding. My friend was going to do the welding. Yeah. And, but he was so busy working, you know, he, he, I mean, obviously his work's more important than my stupid car. You know what I mean? So I just got impatient. I was like, this fuck you. I'm going to turn this thing on. I turned it on and like, didn't know fucking no settings, nothing. I just pulled the trigger and like sparks were flying everywhere. And like, I got something to stick and I was like, dude, this is cool. Like something fucking stuck together, you know? And then I think the first thing I ever made was I got some chain, you know, like welded the chain together and then a sawzall blade, you know, <laughs> I made myself a little like little weapon, yeah. but it was the coolest fucking thing. Cause I like made shit stick together, you know? Yeah. It's learning. Like it seems super basic, but I, I remember the first time I got to try out a welder, it changes your whole world. It's like, what now? You're like, what the fuck just happened? Like, this shit just melted together. You know, I don't know. I, I think that 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 moment right then and there, me making that decision to pick up that welder changed my life. Seriously, I didn't know where I was going. You know what I mean? I was a mechanic, you know, for the city. Um, I was doing mechanic stuff somewhere else. I was painting houses. It just wasn't who I am. But the moment I decided to pick up, and that's another one of those doors that opens and closes or whatever, but that decision changed my whole life dude because i'm still living that life you know so after i got something to stick together i was like you know what like i'm gonna just do this shit i had my buddy come over he adjusted the welder you know and i was like okay it's on dude started welding everything together it shit sucked yeah. you know what i mean i got um pieces of sheet metal bent it over my knee like trying to make it uh you know kind of make a sail panel and all that i didn't know what the fuck i was doing dude I remember at one point I was trying to set the back window and I was very, um, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't, like, they could not, I was like, it was scaring the shit out of me. I'm like, oh, fuck, this thing doesn't look right. Like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. But, you know, I ended up, um, a, a couple of friends came over that had done one before. They kind of helped me and I got it. And then I started making the panel and I was bending the shit over my knee. Um, and I started welding. It was probably nine, ten o'clock at night. It was dark out. It was kind of dark in my grand. It was, I did all this in my grandma's garage, you know? And, um, I don't know, man. It was just a sense, like, just, I remember welding that and just saying, you know what? This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. This is what I, this is amazing. I love this fucking dude. I'm playing with fire and like bright lights and sparks and I'm making shit. fucking awesome. You know? And I just, I never stopped from that point on. I made the panels. It looked like crap. So I took them all off, tried it again. You know, it, it's, it literally, it sucked. 
But that's the thing, man. Like, you gotta learn. <laughs> the only way you're going to learn is by sucking. You got to suck ass to get good. You know what I mean? Everybody, I don't give a fuck who you are. Nothing comes that natural where you're just good overnight. You know what I mean? And I think, like, for me, I like to see people learning, like, in their beginning of their journeys and all that. Dude, I try to inspire them. You know, I want to see, because I was there. You know what I mean? I was, I was in that situation. And then to have someone, I want to be the voodoo Larry to somebody else. You know, it was really his information helped me a lot, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I kept, I kept doing stuff. I remember welding my first frame. It was terrible, but I got it. I drove the car and like, it actually ended up looking pretty cool. Not the style I would build today, but you know. Was the was the first frame under the, the Model A that you had? No. Okay. No, that was the second one. First one was under a '52 shade. It's actually outside. Okay. <laughs> Covered up because it's terrible. <laughs> but the guy that owns it now, we're redoing it. You know what I mean? So it's kind of cool. I can go back and, but I mean, going in that car, and that car was start was started everything for me. Yeah. You know, and like to go in there and see it, and like, oh man, it was terrible, but. You know, that was the beginning, you know what I mean? To, to see, like, dude, this is my first time. I remember this. I remember the music. I remember the feeling. I remember the empowerment that I got from it, you know, just looking at the damn thing. That's you awesome. know? It's really cool you got it back. I, uh, I still have my first car, my 56, mm -hmm. and I've been slowly piecing that back together. And that's the car that, like, I got into auto shop with. I learned how to body work on it. I learned how to weld it. That, that was my daily driver in high school. And, uh, I, I, I took a torch to a car for the first time on that one. And the, the 56, that hood bird, it has a little panel on mm -hmm. the top where it sits out. Yeah, yeah. So if you just pull it, you've got this funky little delta thing on your hood. And my shop teacher just told me, hey, yeah, just pick a hammer and dolly, keep that thing red hot, and smash it flat. Like, <laughs> great advice. <laughs> yeah. All right, thanks, Dell. And like, I did it, and I warped the fuck out of yeah. it. So it's still bad. It's like, it's got pieces of. There's parts of it where it's like hammered up and there's like a piece of wood wedged in between the bracing. That's awesome. <laughs> and it's like now being 32, going back to this thing I started when I was 16, like I remember this weld. This is yeah. one of my first welds. Cut out, removed. Like, yeah, yeah. It seems so much easier now, but it's awesome. Like seeing your own progress on something, like revisiting something you for sure. When you were a kid. You're yeah, like, whether it sucked ass or not, it was still a part of your life, dude. It definitely know? makes you appreciate that you've evolved as yeah a, right as a car builder at least yeah well even with anything in life dude you yeah, know it's... i've even noticed when i was younger i was all about loud pipes loud music dude now i don't care for any of that stuff like i want my car to be quiet you know more peaceful you yeah know what I mean? my 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 56 probably won't have side windows in it for a long time since it's chopped poorly <laughs> but uh my god my wife's car it's got all the windows got all the weather stripping my favorite thing in an old car is when you shut the door and it's silent on the inside. Yeah, yeah. That's something you don't really appreciate when you're first learning to rip them apart. My God, having them... Dude, it was like hardcore, fucking loud, burnouts. I don't know. Now I'm like, oh, I feel like you, a jackass. <laughs> well, in your Model A, the, the little the chop thing with the shift around. Yeah, that thing was that pretty was, pretty extreme, dude. Yeah, that was... That was an extreme car. Um so, real quick, let me go back to this. Now, with the drive that I had, I wanted this shit so bad, like learning how to weld and grind. So, 
I needed to learn how to do body work so I could paint my car or whatever. And I didn't know how to fucking do any of that shit. And they had these uh, local classes called ROP. It was like a high school. Anybody can go. Yeah. Yeah, I, I took ROP. Right. So I went to the auto body. It was the paint and auto body one. And, um, you know, I went there for the introduction to see if I can get in. Well, there was a two-year waiting list. There's no way I'm getting in. And um, they're like, well, sorry, you know, we can't, you know. And I was like, dude, dang damn it. Like, I'm not going to wait two years to do this. So being that I have extremely high drive and I don't give a shit and I'm not letting anything get in my way, I went to class the next day. Yeah. And I stayed in that class for three months, and I was not supposed to be there. Yeah. Dude, I went every day. They call roll. I would, like, go to the bathroom or something or pretend like I was sleeping. You know what I mean? They eventually caught on. But they were so surprised that I had, like, I wanted it that bad that they let me let me stay, you know? That's awesome. That's, like, that's one of the secrets of going to college at a shitty school like I did was even in my engineering classes was the same shit. Like, the cool stuff, getting in on, like, the machine tools. There's like a waiting list to get in. You just have to crash it, show up. It's it's funny. But yeah. You just gotta. I didn't give a shit, dude. I didn't care. It, you know? No, I was gonna do it. Yeah. You know, awesome. and then like there was three classes. I ended up quitting my job. This is like I really wanted this bad, dude. I ended up quitting my job. I had my '64 Impala Super Sport convertible. Um, it was it needed a bunch of body work, so I would go the first class in the morning, start at eight. It was like eight to ten. No, eight to eleven. And then from 11 to 2 was a break. I would, so I would go in the morning, I'd work on my car, I'd push my car out into the parking lot, keep working on it till the next class, bring it back in, do what I got to do. And then there was a break between 4 and 7 or 8, I think it was 4 and 8 or 4 and 7, whatever. Again, push my car outside in the alley, work on it till the night class and then come back in and I'd work on it through the night. Every day I did that until we painted my car you know but you know it's just the passion and the drive you know and eventually you know the car got done and it was awesome dude i loved it you know but um going back to the hot rod so uh, that was kind of the start of all like the you know hardcore hot rods you know and it wasn't necessarily that car wasn't necessarily built to like look crappy it was just the best i could do at the time you know what i mean i really was trying my hardest to to do nice stuff you know um, I didn't really have a sense of like tradition. It was all still new to me, yeah. you know. Um, you know how like you have your certain specific eras and like traditional, and not traditional. I, I didn't really know much about that stuff, you well, know. You started that car in what year? Uh, what was that? That was in like two thousand four. That was still pretty early in the days of internet. Um, yeah. Documentation of stuff like dude, Cam existed. It was all about Rough Rodders, dude. I was on. <laughs> Dude, I was like the the guy on Rough Rod. I was on that every day, you know. My buddy Ari, uh, Mark and Ari from Hot Rod Havoc ran Rough Rodders. And like, again, you know, those were, those were my guys, you know. I mean, I, everything about those guys, everyone posting. So it was such badass shit on there, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that style of cars has definitely died down. But it's hard to explain to someone who grew up in the time of Instagram where there's everything immediately accessible. Right. Those cars, you see a lot of unique stuff, a lot of people taking risks. Like, right. It wasn't all, <clears throat> even back then, some of that stuff was like a little too much skulls. And yeah, I didn't get into that. I, I tried to base it. I wanted it to be really aggressive, but still somewhat traditionally styled. You know, I think the newest thing I had on there was the motor. 
You know, I still used 40 Ford brakes. I still used uh, 40 Ford wheels. You know, the shifter on the outside. My idea for that, I had a Harley. It had the shifter, suicide shifter. I was like, oh, it'd be kind of cool. I'm fucking young, dude. I don't know. I'm having fun. You know what I mean? I didn't care what anybody thought, dude. It was just about, like, being artistic and having fun, you know? I did it. I was super excited about it, you know? It's a surprised, dude, that car actually, like, got a lot of, like, a lot of people liked that thing. It's crazy, you know? And it was, like, such a piece of crap. <laughs> but but the, the attitude of that car right? yeah. lost on no one, you know? Like, everyone saw that and knew it was going to be showing up, doing burnouts. Doing I that. think it was, like, the perfect time for that thing, you know what I mean? Probably, It yeah. was, like, just kind of, it was just kind of becoming the thing, you know what I mean? Um, Guido had a car similar, um... I remember a roadster that he had that I really, really wanted. I remember seeing that at the Cow Palace show. Yeah. And I thought it was the most epic fucking thing ever, dude. Do you remember? Like a million cars. Do you remember do you remember the little roadster the, the little Model A roadster he had? That was the four it was still a banger. It had like no floors. And like he just had like a little mesh tunnel. Huh. I, I don't remember. Dude, it was I ended up owning it at one point, dude. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was fucking rad, dude. But it was around that time, you know. You know, if I was to build the car today, it'd be a completely different car. Yeah. It wouldn't be the, you know, I'm more, it's kind of crazy how time, over time you kind of adjust, you change things, you know, I'm not into the loud cars anymore. I, I like the high boys, you know, yeah. more traditional, but yeah, that car, dude, I drove it everywhere. It sucked to drive long distance. I still yeah. did it, you know, very aggressive car. Yeah. I actually almost crashed that thing coming back from Sacramento. Really? Yeah. It was at midnight mass. I was going about a buck thirty, and um, dude, my fucking front wheel—I started getting death wobble, dude. I was on bias ply. I literally could see my tires expanding. Oh wow, dude, <laughs> sketchy, dude. And then I guess the front wheels hit a pothole or something, and then it just went to this like crazy thing where the right wheel was going up super high, like two feet, and then the left—it was just blah blah blah. And then my door flew open. Dude, I almost crap my pants, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. It was. I never did that again. You know, and then I kind of got out of that. Uh, what did I build after that? Um, I sold that car to a guy in Germany. Oh, and I started building the 35 Plymouth. You know, this was, so I called it the Redeemer. One, because I have faith in God. And then also I was trying to redeem myself because I felt that the hot rod, it was a cool car, but it wasn't the best I could do at the time. You know, like I was trying to move forward with my skill skill set, you know, and try to push myself more. I actually almost bought a 1940 Lincoln Zephyr at the time or buy this 35 Plymouth. Okay. Mind you, you know, Lincoln Zephyr is my car. Like I, and this is kind of the time where I got introduced to Zephyrs. Um, I had an opportunity to buy one and I decided not to because I wanted to make something that nobody really did into something cool. You know, I wanted to challenge myself. I didn't just want to take already cool car and make it cooler i wanted to take a car that i thought i personally thought wasn't that cool and make it cool you know so i bought the 35 plymouth and i've never really seen anyone do a custom at the time with the 35 plymouth i mean you really and i really like 35 36 fords and so i bought it you know this thing was like a complete street rod thing it had like mustang seats and thunderbird wheels and uh, as gnarly um but I was in the in the time trying to progress forward with everything. You know, I stripped the whole car, started, you know, making panel not not making panels, but replacing stuff and chopping it and bagging it and like had this whole vision. And then I that's when I started getting on the ham. 
mm-hmm. you know, and the ham was awesome. Like, dude, I I love I looked forward every day to going on the ham, you know, to like post something and like see what everybody else is. It's so inspiring, man, because there's so many people on there building shit, and you see that they're pushing their abilities, you know, and. I feed off of that, you know. You got these guys that are like, you got guys that are badass, and you got guys that are still learning. And to see them pushing what other skill level they're at, it's just feeding my fire, you know. Um, Eventually finished the car, drove it. I remember my first drive of that car was to um, Grand Grand National. Very first time ever drive. I never even drove it down the street. Dude, straight to Grand National. Making it through the snow or whatever was going on um it wasn't snowing at the time i think it, it did rain on me yeah i did i did have a leaky water pump on the way down and then one of my transmission lines was loose but other than that it made it you know actually drove pretty damn good that car really liked going fast yeah yeah i5 like 90 miles an hour to like an inch off the ground <laughs> so epic dude you know like you see you see all the guys you see all the guys like cruising down and they're going like 50 yeah. and I'm like whoo flying by and this custom it's all shot it's so rad dude I always build my cars to be able to like go on the freeway yeah. you know because I want to be able to drive them you know um, but yeah so I ended up selling that car and then um, I had I had got a Zephyr and I really wanted that was the I kept looking back like dang I should have bought the Zephyr dang I should have bought the Zephyr and like I regretted it and luckily it in I don't know like I was supposed to have a Zephyr so one fell on my lap you know and I almost didn't do it you know but I got it and uh, it was bad yeah. super rotted out like there was really nothing that was that savable on it you know chassis was all rotten bottom of the car's rotten the whole front clip is rotten all the parts were shit. It was basically a fucking piece of crap, like yeah. junk. You know what I mean? And um, I don't know. Again, like I had my the, the drive and the fire that I have is just so extreme and intense, dude. Like it just nothing can stop me, you know. And I ended up selling one of my other cars and bought a four door sedan. And I didn't know if it was gonna work or not, dude. Like it was kind of like a hail mary. You know, bought this four-door sedan. Uh, actually paid a lot of money for it with the intent to cut everything off it and just keep... Because it's, it's a framed unibody car. So, my intents was to... My intentions were to cut above the windshield and then cut everything off in the back, leaving the floorboard and the inside of the wheel wells. And then, on my coupe, cut the top of the roof off in the same section and then... Uh, underneath the quarters and under the wheel well so that I could just slip it back on and then weld it all together. And sure shit, it fucking worked, dude. <laughs> it worked. I just saved myself years and years and years of trying to like replace this crap. You know? That's awesome. Yeah. Were the, the purists freaking out at that point? Uh, I don't know. No, actually, I don't know about the purists, but I think all the guys in the ham, like I was kind of like, dang, dude, I just cut this thing up. But, you know, I mean, it's really the only way to save that car. Yeah. I mean, it was so bad, you know, and like I was, shit, dude, like I'm like destroying this thing, but everybody was like, no, dude, you like saved it. And I mean, I was going to do it anyways, but you know, like I, part of me was like, dang, dude, you're like ruining this thing. You're taking the value away from it. But I don't know, you know, I really, like I said, if I were to try to fix that car, it would take me 10 years, 15 years. There's just no way, dude, you know, um, 
and it's still working on the car now. But I mean, it, even though with the conversion, like it still does a lot of work, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what I'm working on now, trying to chop the car on it. It took me years to even figure out how I was going to chop the car. I've chopped a lot of tops, a lot. And I'm not scared to cut a roof, but dude, this one, like it scared me because it's so easy to ruin. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of, there is a lot of chopped zephyrs out there and there's not many that I like, you know, and I wanted to make sure that I made the right decision on proportions, made the right decision on where to cut, you know, um, all the bracing and I don't know, it, it's, it's a scary roof to cut, you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It, it took me years to figure it out. And there's actually one car. Um, it was Timo Hursty's. That was the one car that I really, really liked a lot. Um, I forget where he's from. I think he's from Switzerland or something like that. I forget exactly his location, but you know, he's in, you know, out of the States or whatever. Beautiful car. Absolutely stunning. The chop looked amazing. Real traditional style custom. And I studied that car and studied it and studied it and studied it and just, I don't know. So I ended up talking to him, you know, he sent me pictures on how he chopped the top and I don't know. I just loved his roof so much, dude. Like I kind of mimicked his, his chop, you know, what about, what about the chop on those? Um, he nailed it. well, I mean, I changed a few things on my own, but it still looked like a Zephyr, yeah. you know, the proportions looked good. You know, that on a 1940, 41, the roof is really big. You know, like it's extremely big. It looks like a big top hat, you know, it's like the roof is so tall. It doesn't even look right with the body and the way he did it, the back window, the way it sloped down, like it didn't look like a cockroach, you know, it wasn't like fastback looking. It still, it still had the shape of a Zephyr, but it was chopped, you know? Um, the one thing I did change on my car that he didn't do on his, which his looked amazing but for me, the windshield, the front windshield is real tall mm -hmm. and um, the side windows are so much smaller. And then you got the door tops are real fat. Yeah. And when you chop those cars, dude, like it really prominent on how much bigger the front windshield is to the doors. And uh, I didn't want to do that. You know, I, uh, I took an inch off the door tops, brought the roof down lower or less than the doors to kind of compensate for the difference between the windshield and the door. Mm -hmm. I reshaped the door, uh, the door top also because the it almost looked like that car. The back of the roof was a little taller, so when I chopped it, I pulled the roof back a little bit to get rid of the elbow that it had, and then also with the doors kind of giving, kind of flowing more with the fenders. If you look at the fenders on the car, they slant back slightly, you know, and I'm trying to carry the same flow, and I felt like the roof was just so far off. Um, but I changed, so I reshaped the door tops, um, reshaped the roof, you know, I'm in the process of still doing it. You know, I made a, a metal shape grid. Um, I used the stock sail panels and reshaped those on English wheel, which I think I'm still going to use. I'm just going to make a strip. There's a gap because I, the way I lowered it, there's a gap between the roof and the sail panel. I'm going to make a strip, TIG weld it, planish it, you know, and then put it in. But the sh the shape pattern you know, helps guide me to make sure that, you know, the roof isn't voiding like a, uh, like a dip yeah. <clears throat> being that this car is stamped, you know, the metal doesn't really keep its form. It's kind of forced, you know, mm -hmm. like if you were to power hammer or something, it would be, it would stay put, but it's not, you know, it's a stamped sheet metal. So when you cut it naturally, it's going to drop, 
you know, it's going to void, you know, and you have to go back and hand stretch it so that it doesn't do that. And this, the wire form helps keep everything in a place so that you're kind of staying in the right direction, you know? Um, but that, you know, all that inspires my whole journey with metal shaping stuff. You know, um, I bought, I got a 1938 Zephyr four door sedan from a friend of mine and, um, he, uh, he was going to build it. It was really rusty um, the car was like almost ready for the junk pot. It was more of like a eBay parts car. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, so I really wanted to build a Delahaye. I, I really wanted to build something that looked like a Delahaye. The Delahaye is my ultimate dream car. I'll never be able to afford one of those. If you can't afford it, build it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I wanted, I was in search for a Zephyr that I can cut up. You know, I wanted to section it. I wanted to pull the fenders back. I, I wanted to build the car. You know, and my buddy Jeff, he had this car that he got my from my friend James. Um, he was parting it out, you know, and I was originally going to buy the whole car from him, but I just couldn't swing it, you know, and I, I didn't want to like, I didn't want to take away um, the efforts from my other Zephyr to like go on this one and get distracted. But then eventually um, he like got the price down so low, I like really couldn't turn it away. And I think I truly believe that that was one of those turning points again, you know, where um, this is like a next chapter, you know, in in getting that car and having so much drive to want to like make this car to turn from a four door sedan to a two door convertible or Carson top, whatever. I mean, there's a lot of metal work that needs to get done. I was so excited about doing it. Like I started, you know, I started buying more metal tools. I started going to classes, yeah. you know, like wanting to push myself more. You know, I think I felt like I was at a point where I was stagnant, you know, and I just didn't feel like I was progressing. And um, the car, that car actually really inspired me a lot, you know, in doing this every single day, you have your moments where you get burnt out, you know, yeah. you get tired. I mean, it's natural, you know, and uh, I think I, before that, I was kind of in a point where I had gone through some major life-changing things, you know, and uh, it took a while for me to get past all that stuff. But, I mean, I'm back, you know, stronger than I was before, you know, and that car inspired a lot, you know. I flew out to Boston to go see Rachelene. He's a coach builder. Awesome guy. Awesome. I mean, I, I actually wanted to move out there. I liked it so much, you know. But to go there... And have these guys teaching you something that you really didn't think you were able to do. And then you're doing it. And it's like, it's going back to my grandmother's garage, picking up that welder. I didn't know I could do that. Like, holy crap. And here I am with this coach builder making shapes that I didn't think I was possible to do. Dude, I just picked up that welder once again. You know, here I am in Boston trying to learn this. This is the next chapter for me, you know. It's awesome. I, it's so cool to hear. Uh, one of the, one of the really neat things I think about cars, metal shaping, and maybe it's just neat to me because these are the things that I can understand. Mm-hmm. But um, for for someone like you to take on a new uh, challenge, like learning a new metal shaping tool or something, like the older I get, the more that I realize that your mentality going into it, like where you're at personally, really comes out on the metal, like you you need to find a way to make yourself be able to focus on this stuff to take the time that it takes to 
to put in the time that it takes to fabricate a right. new sail panel or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you were saying about how how you've grown a lot through your journey, like from starting on a, on your first model car, stealing your mom's necklace, <laughs> yeah. making chain wheels, <laughs> to today. Um, I, I don't know. Are you, are you comfortable talking about that at all? Yeah. Like just sort of how you prepare yourself mentally for for taking on a new project like that. You know, I I don't know if I really do prepare myself. It's kind of like diving in head first, dude. Maybe that's the perfect answer then. Maybe. You know, for me, dude, I have the fire that the, my, the passion that I, that burns inside of me is so fucking intense, dude. Like I can't burn it out. Mm-hmm. It just, it's just burning, dude. And I have to do these things, you know, but it's not just for anything. It's stuff that I'm into, yeah. you know, like I want to learn how to do the Zephyr. So how do you do that? You do it. You don't think about it because thinking about it's not going to get it done. Oh, I wish. Well, guess what? The wish is a dream and doing is doing, you know? So I got this thing. It's a piece of crap, but it's my piece of crap that I'm going to make awesome. You know, go to the, go take these classes, learn from these guys that are masters at their craft. Dude, it was so inspiring to be out there to like see this guy that's built cars from scratch. And then there's also people from all over the world at the same class trying to learn the same thing dude it's just it's just putting more fuel in the fire you know like to see these guys and and all elements of their skill are all different you know um uh stages in their skill dude i mean how can you not be inspired you know what i mean like it's it's so epic you know yeah it, it seems like and maybe it's just being covered better these days but there's so much cool stuff going on in metal shaping right now i agree yeah the the standards of of quality are much higher now than they were before i see like the car culture is a lot more new people a lot of like a lot of awesome shit going on you know and i think people like taking more pride in their metal and it's awesome because it really is something like dude cars back in the days were hand built you know french ferraris you know porsches and all that stuff i mean it was something that was i can't speak too much on it because i don't know a lot of the history but you know it was kind of a dying art and it seems like it's coming back. And they may not, maybe it seems like that because I'm now getting myself involved with it, you know. Um, I Again, I can't like speak too much on it because I don't know too much of the history. But I know I really like it a lot, you know. And I see a lot of people I look up to doing it, you know. And, you know, you're seeing like that car Rob Ida built, that Merc. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. That car is absolutely stunning. Oh, yeah. Stunning. Like, how do you take a car... That's been done the same so many times. You know, there's some different ones that are badass, but to change it so much, like to make it to the point where you see it and you get goosebumps, dude, that is epic. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah, I don't know. There's just nothing like that, you know? And like with, with this thing, I have this, like, I really want to do a Delahaye. I don't know if I'm going to do it with this thing or not. I'm, I think I might just do like a clean custom you know, I might do a Deval style windshield, kind of like um, Hollywood Hot Rods. They did the the amber winning car, okay. the the Bergen, the red one. Mm-hmm. Dude, that car is gorgeous, dude. Yeah, I love that style. You know, the real Art Deco, the real um, concourse style car. I mean, dude, it has a whole soul and it's like its own entity. You know what I mean? Um, I want to build something that's kind of follows that theme you know what i mean um i don't know i feel like there's like a lot of i feel a lot of passion for like 
styled cars like that. You know, like, they're very um, elegant and, like, classy. And, I mean, in the time that those things were built, dude, like, everything was artistic. And everything was thought out. And it wasn't, like, oh, just make it and sell it. You know, like, today, oh, make a car. How do we make it, like, make money? You know? Back then, it wasn't. It was... How do we make this thing go? Like everything they did, even their advertisements were like artistic yeah. and dude, it was just so much effort and so, so much art, art behind it. And I don't know. It's like, it's my era, you know? Oh my God, too. dude. I mean, every, even down to the, even down to the art deco looking buttons and yeah. just so much thought, you know, it's not just the throw it together, fucking sell it, you know, like there really was a lot put behind these things, you know? Um, so with this convertible conversion I'm doing, A, I'm pushing my limits because I don't know how to do this crap. You know, every day that I try something new and I'm accomplishing it, dude, it's a rad feeling, you know, same for anybody like starting their new journey that are just getting into metal, just learning how to weld. Dude, you can't give up, man. As hard as it gets, as hard as anything gets with anybody and anything in life. You don't know what's at the end of the tunnel. You know, it's too easy to quit. You just got to fucking man through it, dude. Push through it, you know? And at the end, when I finish this car, dude, I'm going to like fucking hell yeah, dude. Like this thing's going to be badass. I'm going to feel like like I accomplished something. Who knows what the next thing is? You know what I mean? But trying to compete with myself yesterday and trying to improve today and pushing forward and pushing forward. I don't know. It's this fucking flame that won't go out <laughs> you know it's crazy dude yeah i don't know um yeah i don't know I, i'm like all the tooling and like i have a guy that's mentoring me now that's a neighbor of mine he's a coach builder um he's been building cars or he's been coach building for shit i think 30 years 15 30 years no i think 30 years he's done stuff with mole um he did some things with uh, Faye Butler and all that. Like, really, not, he's an older guy, old man. Dude, the guy's knowledge is insane, you know? And um, in the beginning, he was kind of a dick to me. You know, I'm some, like, guy that's all tattooed, you know? I mean, first impressions, you know what I mean? But over time, you know, we've actually become really, really close friends, you know? And um, now we're real close. He comes over and shows me. He's mentor, He's actually, like, teaching me stuff, like... You know, and it's in, and it's amazing to like, you know, take a guy that's worked on Bugattis, Ferraris, like handmade multi-million dollar cars, and he's like, you know, showing me this stuff, dude. I don't know, it's the next Voodoo Larry. Yeah. You know, like, it's crazy how like in life, it almost seems like life for me is kind of already tracked out. You know, I'm meeting these people I'm supposed to meet. You know, and like yeah. along my journey, these things are all supposed to happen. You know. Yeah, it's, it's a trip. You know, I have another friend of mine, from, um, Ben Starr. He worked with Racheline. He used to work at Blue Collar Customs with Scott and them. Um, he also took, you know, I think it was the last five, six, seven years, he went on a metal shaping journey. The guy's amazing. Badass. You know, and he's been mentoring me lately, too. And such a rad guy, you know. And to have these guys that, like, inspire the crap out of me and, like, willing to help me. I don't know. I couldn't. I don't know. It's a blessing, you know. That's awesome. And you're starting to do some of this too, right? You, you're working with the. I saw you doing a chop shop. 
Oh yeah, so Jesse Miller, he's another one that also, you know, started out. I think he was at Roseville Rod and Custom, and then he opened up his shop in Sacramento. He was doing some badass cars there, and then went out to Texas and worked for Austin Speed Shop. And while he was out in Austin, I started seeing that he started doing a lot of metal shaping. And I was like, dude, what the hell? Like, how's he doing that? It's crazy, you know? But yeah, he, uh, I mean, he was another one that inspired me too. It's like, holy shit. Like, you went from just doing regular chop top of sail panels. Now you're building a whole fucking roof? Like, high five, dude. Like, how the fuck did you do that? You know? And like, how did you do it so fast? And I think for him, moving out to Texas was a good thing for him, you know? Because he got to expand his knowledge and all that stuff. And I actually was like, you know, getting, we had lost contact for a little while, wanting to get in contact with him. And I was just so inspired, you know? I wanted to pick his brain and and um like hey dude do you mind mentoring i'll fly out there like can you show me some of this stuff you know and we got to talking and he was like well we'll do a chop class you know and then maybe we'll show you some stuff here at the shop and we did the chop class um it went really well it was fun you know um you see jesse the way he works and the way i work you know we have two different working styles but dude it was fucking cool man like i learned from him he learned from me I think what I gained most out of it is I like seeing people trying to do better. And I know I keep reverting back to this, but it really fuels me. I love to see people wanting to learn, wanting to improve themselves because I do myself. So you got these guys here. They're probably really, some of them are really good at the stuff they do, but they want to expand, you know, their knowledge to have them here, you know, alongside of us cutting a car and like being so interested in writing stuff down and like, so in tune and and the the dry it just like dude just fed my fire even more you know and i don't know i mean it's just yeah i don't know it was empowering for me you know it was rad to have jesse here to to do the class you know um and then to be able it was pretty cool of him to share the knowledge with the guys you know even the stuff that i offer you know um but again, I think the most, the biggest part of it was having the guys here and like seeing their drive to want to learn. I, that is what fired me the most, you know. And then, um, you know, that following week, dude, I, I was on such fire. I couldn't even like, man, I was like wanting to cut everything in the shop. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I made a couple of new friends, you know, and I've actually sent work to some of the guys that were here. You know, some of them were badass TIG welders. Some guys are badass upholstery guys. Some other guys have other shops. I mean. And then another friend of mine, he's opening up a new body shop, you know, try to get them work, you know, try to help them in their journey, you know, as I would wish someone would help me with mine, you know, not be closed minded, be open minded, be, I could be their voodoo Larry, you know, whether, you know, a lot of those guys are past the part I was when voodoo Larry helped me, but any little bit helps, you know, any tiny little bit of inspiration or, hey, like, I just commented on some dude's Facebook post, you know, um, the other day. He's learning. I don't know him, but it was rad to see that he's trying and he's doing. I told him, look, you know, you got this, you know, never give up. Keep pushing. The best part about learning is learning and feeling accomplishment, you know. And uh, he was so stoked that I, like, said that. Like, he reposted it saying, like, oh, it's pretty cool that he's... I don't know. It's rad because, you know what? Like, hey, maybe that boost was something that he needed and to push his level, you know what I mean? That's awesome. Like, I think some people get the impression that working on cars, since you guys are in business, there's shows, there's an element of competition to it. 
the builders are competitive, and maybe it is somewhere, but it's uh, it's it, so, so cool to talk to people. Like I, you I definitely, are. dude. Competition. The only competition I have is with myself. I don't, dude. There's shops around me that do badass stuff. If they called me and asked me, hey, we need your help, dude, I'll go help them. I don't care. I don't do this. I'm not doing this to be the cool guy. I'm not doing this to be the famous guy. I don't give a shit about any of that stuff. I don't want to be on TV. I don't. I just want to feed my fire. And my fire is to be artistic and build cool cars. You know what I mean? I I don't know. It's just in me, you know? Unfortunately, there is the competition thing stuff. And I just don't. It's not for me. You know what I mean? I think that everybody is an artist. And everybody should appreciate everybody else's art. You know, and um, even guys that are just starting out that aren't that good. Well, guess what? You were too, right. you know, and what can you do to help them, you know, help inspire them, help them want to do better, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely, the competition stuff, it does not, <laughs> I'm not interested in that at all. You know what I mean? I'll, I definitely like trying to bring everybody up, you know, like yeah. praise everybody, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, there's always someone better, you know what I mean? You could either be the guy that's the dick or you can be the guy that inspires someone. You know what I mean? I prefer to be the guy that inspires someone or to be inspired. Just about an hour right now. Oh. It's amazing how fast that goes. <laughs> dude, no, but see, I'm still saying, man, like, dude, I can keep going. You know, like, I have, I don't know. Yeah, man, I love hearing it. It's, it's so cool. Like, uh, yeah, like, I, people think that car builders, people that create stuff are, can be, like, real guarded. And I think... Well, There's probably I, a time where that was true. I, I will say part of me is guarded a little. Not yeah. guarded to people in the culture because I feel they're they're, I'm, they're my people. You know what I mean? Yeah. I am guarded a little to outside normal people a little just because, like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just don't feel a connection with them a little. But, I don't know. I guess I have to say that with caution. You know what I mean? Like, if, like you here, I feel totally comfortable. That if there's a guy here in a suit, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to open up to him because I don't know him. I don't feel like I'm, we have a connection. You know what I, mean? I think the connection is probably the biggest part of it, you know, but if anybody, and I've had people call me, I don't know who the hell they are. Hey, like, what do you think? It, dude, I'll, I'll stay on the phone with them and figure it out. You know, I'll help anybody. I don't care. But I think, um, you know, being a little guard, it has to do with being an artist too. Like you're so in depth in your realm that you kind of, so in tune with it you know yeah I, I follow you yeah not not necessarily like being a jerk but just i found times where i'm just so focused that i like, forget that everything that's going around me yeah you know but not tough guy stuff you know not chin up and chest puffed out i guess yeah. i don't know unfortunately it does exist uh, one thing i wanted to ask you about i guess it's more of a personal thing i've noticed like on your your posts on instagram you're also taking care of yourself in addition to taking care of your shop, like riding bikes, doing positive, healthy stuff like that. Well, not so much anymore, but <laughs> I was, yeah. You know, with, with every journey too, with, with the mental journey with the shop, you know, I mean, everything in life needs to be pushed and, yeah. you know, you always want to improve yourself, you know. Um, I was cycling a lot. I actually haven't been lately. Like delicious foods gotten the better of me, <laughs> you know, but I, you know what it is. I just don't have the time to yeah. do it right now. Like I'm so focused on restructuring myself, restructuring my business, restructuring my skills. 
I really, really am serious about my journey, my new journey. Yeah. And uh, I'm not letting anything get in the way. And like, psych- I just don't have the time. You know, I work so much. You know, I, I just, um, I would like to, but I just haven't, you know. And I've been trying to get on a mental level too. You know, there's a lot of negative stuff going on in the world. And I'm trying to tune myself away from that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I don't watch the, t- I don't watch the news. I rarely watch TV. You know, um, even t- down to my music, I really don't listen to anything else on the radio. It's just so much negative stuff. Man. I don't, I don't want that stuff to. Every little negative thing adds up and adds up, and then it starts this and this and this and this and th- and then it just like consumes your soul, dude. Like I don't want anything to do with that, you know. So I've been in the process of eliminating negative stuff, and you know, I've been listening to a lot of classical music, you know, a lot of Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin a lot of violin it's peaceful you know i can i can i can fall into the music and get into my uh, realm of being artistic and i don't know man it, it's 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 hard to express how deep it really is it's you know no words express like the depth of what i'm trying to explain you know like it's deeper than i think anybody can really think or imagine you know it really is like down to the soul you know like this stuff the passion for this and wanting to be to live a positive peaceful life to inspire people like it's really deep you know it's it's like i don't know it it there's just no words that i can express it you know i don't know it's it's hard to explain you know but it's really really deep and i can't help it you know i think it's just who i am you know what I mean? Awesome. Yeah. What, what you were saying about ignoring the news, I, one of my mentors, this guy Bob that I worked with, uh, I, I worked for about a year with this wheelchair company when I was a student, and he was the guy who would like volunteer to, he'd go with like live in like uh, sub-Saharan Africa and build wheelchairs for people in the community. And he was real big into like building stuff that could be built out of parts that you buy at a market in Africa, like in in the middle of nowhere that's so, rad yeah man he and he had so many cool stories but one of one of my favorite ones that he told me it's probably bullshit it's probably something he picked up from someone else <laughs> but i still love it like i was i don't remember what year it was i'd ask him if he heard such and such on the news or some crazy stuff going on and he's like no no i don't watch the news don't watch the news and i didn't really get it and then he told me this story one day he's like yeah so in africa uh out in the desert the way they communicate, you know, no internet, no phones out there. The old way that they'd pass messages between villages is there'd be one guy with a drum and he'd drum, bang, 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 you know, and it would be a, their long range communication, sort of like Morse code, yeah, yeah. something like that. And he'd say, uh, so the drummer, you drum something important to the community, you let them know. Every once in a while, the drummer hears something. So, you know what? That doesn't really affect the people in my community doesn't really affect their daily lives it's nothing they're ever going to run into they might just worry about it i'm just not gonna i'm just gonna not drum out that one message and i'll wait for the important stuff to come and it's that's a pretty awesome attitude you know it's like really you got to think about what you're letting into your life like absolutely because i i get angry and frustrated with politics and i'll find myself it's crazy it's like but the thing is is whether you like it or not it's still happening Totally. There's nothing you can do about it. So you can get angry all day and be so stressed out and frustrated, but you can't do shit about it. Right. So why focus on it? There's right. just no point, dude. 
I actually I had to like start deleting stuff. Like I dude, even social media. I love Instagram, Facebook, it's all right, you know. I like Instagram because I could choose what I get to see. You know, I follow a lot of artists, a lot of car builders, a lot of metal shapers, a lot of dog stuff, you know. <laughs> but the thing is, like, photography, I love photography. There's a lot of depth in a, in a picture, you know. I like deep things, you know. But even then, like, dude, you get so caught up in, like, you know, you're, what you read every day. And, I mean, you're ingesting that into your mind. Totally. You yeah. know. Whether you like it or not, it's a part of you once it's <laughs> dude, inside like, your mind. You ever notice, like, everywhere you go, there's a fucking advertisement? Oh, yeah. No matter what you do, someone's out. Could you imagine, like, a world without that crap? And, like, the mind space and capacity that you could have? Totally. Dude, it's crazy. So I try to stay I try to stay away from this stuff. I mean, it's, you know, and, and with seeing all this stuff and, like, I can actually see how society is being affected by this. You know, people are angry on the roads. Oh, yeah. People are, like... You know, so you hold the door open for someone, they don't say thank you, right. you know, or you're welcome, or it's just, it's a trip, man. It, it really is. And I'm trying to not be that person. You know, I'm, I mean, I can only do it for myself. I can't control somebody else's stuff, but I want to be the guy that's not like that, you know, and trying to, um, everything that I ingest is more inspirational and inspiring and like, uh, positive. Yeah. And I, Instagram is like my only social media. And mm-hmm. I like that you can totally that to just what you want yeah to see. if you see something that's negative and you don't like it guess what you can delete the person right <laughs> you know what i mean it's as simple as that you know and for me instagram still like the good outweighs the bad for it i get to keep in touch with friends i wouldn't otherwise talk to it's easier to text or to post a picture than to text right. it to all my i love i love instagram i really do like it i love posting stuff you know i love seeing everybody else's progress and stuff like i think it's good you know again you filter what you want to see yeah you know, um, but I love all the photography. I love all the pic. I like, I like seeing it because it's like, it's like an online magazine almost. You know yeah, what I mean? Totally. It's like your own custom feed that we right. have all the builders from right. Japan and like, and I actually get a lot of business from Instagram, huh. you know? Um, I like, I like posting stuff. I like the positive feedbacks on things. I like, you know, I've had some metal shaping guys that I look up to, you know, message me and give me tips or help me with some tooling and I've met a lot of other guys like I do think it's good you know as long as you have good intentions with it and everything I think it's great you know it's a tool for sure totally. yeah and I guess we can talk about the Zephyr stuff huh yeah yeah okay so one of my huge passions is the Lincoln Zephyr all right I my first time ever seeing a Lincoln Zephyr was back in Bulletproof in the 90s Rudy Munoz had his 1939 Zephyr Coop. I first saw it when it was chopped. He, I guess he, I guess he just got it chopped. It was chopped by um, Chopping Joe. Badass fucking chop top on this thing. The paint job, the candy green. I mean, I saw it and literally my jaw hit the ground. Like I just couldn't stop staring. You know, like I fell into the car almost. And uh, I remember looking at it. I just couldn't believe how gorgeous it was. Like it was unbelievable. Like this thing exists. You know, like how does this? Like, there's, what the fuck is this thing, you know? And I, you know, he told me what it was. And then my buddy Henry Diaz, he's got a 37 Zephyr also. Same thing, you know? It's just like, my God, like, what the, where the fuck are these things? They're like UFOs, you know what I mean? Like, this is so gorgeous. And like, this is the only two I've ever seen in my life, you know? And uh, 
it stuck with me and stuck with me and stuck with me. And then I went to uh, West Coast Customs in Paso. And Lalo had a 1940 Zephyr that was in bare metal at the time. Absolutely stunning car. You know, it really doesn't matter if it's painted or not. They're just beautiful cars. Oh, yeah. They're very elegant. They're about, they're before their time. You know, the car was designed by a guy that designed yachts. You know, so there's a lot of like artistic behind it. It was ama- It's amazing. It's an amazing car. You know, I didn't have one. Always wanted one. Um, and then um, fast forwarding, you know, then I saw the um, the one that Terry Cook did, the Scrape. Beautiful car. Chop is a little off, different for me. But it's still a beautiful car. Beautiful job. You know, the car um, definitely made its way up, you know, uh, you know, impressed a lot of people. And they started making the fiberglass ones. Not big on the fiberglass, but the, the original scrape. I mean, it's a gorgeous car, you know, and I respect that car. Um, then, you know, um, who is it? James Hetfield and Rick Dore did the 37 Zephyr. Absolutely gorgeous car. You know, they did things to it that were tasteful. You know, um, the chop on it was really nice. They slanted the back B pillar on it to flow with the roof more. They dropped the headlights down. They, I mean, there's just a lot of, it's just a, absolutely stunning car you know Daryl Hombeck did an amazing job on the paint and the the car the car what the car is got what it deserved you know um and I I had gotten my first Zephyr six years ago seven years ago you know and then just the passion never burned out for it 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 is the it is the car for me you know and I've done so much research on it and my collection like it's like I own stuff that people wouldn't even think existed, yeah. you know. I started Zephyr Society on Instagram. It is not just about like posting stuff. It really is a true passion, you know. I want to know everything about the car. I want to know everybody that owns one. You know, I respect them. I respect the car. I respect everything about the Zephyr. Whether it's a two-door sedan, a two-door coupe, a convertible, it's just... I don't know. It's just an empowering car to me. You know, the lines, the design, like, and I think what it is too, the rarity, it's not just something that anybody can go get. You know, I spend hours and hours looking for collectibles, you know, probably crap I don't need, but it's, it means something to me. You know, it really truly does. You know, um, my friend James Williams, his, I believe it's his uncle, um, Merv, Merv down in Southern California he's you know been buying and selling Lincoln Zephyr stuff you know I mean dude that's badass like I would love to be that guy you know what I mean like I would love to have a shop full of Zephyrs you know it's just yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. the problem is I'm going to try to own all of them though <laughs> if I struck it rich I'd buy every single one I found um, but with the Zephyr Society you know it helps with the burning the burning passion for it you know i get to meet i get to meet all these people from all over the world literally all over the world that have right hand drive uh, drive zephyrs you know they got their own styling or whether they're purist or whatever but dude it's so rad to be able to like get in touch with these guys you know posting their cars even photographers that are taking pictures artists like anything to do with the zephyr you know it's like i don't know it's it's just it's a car that deserves it, you know, um, and it's just another way of me exhausting a exhausting a, a fire that's burning inside. I mean, just the 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 style, the 
the interior. I mean, I don't know everything. The lines, I mean, such gorgeous lines. They just work so well. Whether it's slammed, whether it's high. Uh, I mean, and uh, again, like the rarity, you know, they made so many. You know, they're, they were really not that many made. And I think that, you know, helps with, with the car a lot, you know. Um, yeah, I've studied a lot of stuff, like books and... I even have stuff that people, you know, I have a record from 1938 that they would send to the radio stations to play for advertisements. They have a Lincoln Zephyr neon sign. I got Lincoln Zephyr uh, metal stamps, belt buckle, cigarettes, Lincoln Zephyr cigarettes. I mean, it's like, I don't know. Anything that has to do with Zephyr, I buy. I don't give a shit how much it is. Dude, I just buy it. It's a trip, you know, but they're just such beautiful cars, you know. They were definitely ahead of their time. You know, they, they rarely, they, to me, they speak the streamline. They speak the Art Deco era. You know, again, uh, a yacht builder was the one that helped design it, you know, so it has the influence behind that, which if you looked at yachts back then, dude, they're stunning. Yeah. You know, along with other cars that era too, you know. But the, the V12 is a cool motor too. The, the displacement is actually pretty small for it. It is. Right? Yeah, yeah, it is. But it ran smoother. That's what I hear. I mean, uh, I remember my friend's grandpa had one, so he'd tell me about it. Oh, yeah, V12, it, was, it curves like a kitten. Yeah. And yeah. then I saw one. Um, we actually just sold this trailer, and the place we bought that trailer from was like this barn out in Livermore that had like 30 Corvairs sitting outside of it. It had our trailer inside of it, like a World War II radio listening station inside. That's like, rad. 41, 41 Lincoln? Is that right? Maybe it was yeah, they had a 41. Somewhere yeah. around there. V12 was pulled out on an engine stand next to mm-hmm. it. Then he had like this oddball, like 55 Dodge, 49 Dodge, four door, 48 Dodge, all perfectly stock, original paint, original interiors, all stock everything. This weird barn, and he had this Zephyr in there with the, the V12 there. And look at this exhaust ports on that. He is so it's small. Like, <laughs> yeah. You can't even put a fucking golf ball in the thing. Yeah, like it's it's cool as hell, but it's yeah, I guess that's the thing about the V12 is that they're supposed to be smooth. Yeah, very smooth, well balanced. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, not much power, you know. Um absolutely gorgeous motor. Totally. You know, I unfortunately sold mine. You yeah. know, I, I did a, a more updated motor and stuff on mine. But um are they as hard to get parts for as I imagine? Yes. Yeah, yeah they don't make shit for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. You know, if you want, if you need like a piece of sheet metal, you're better off just making the damn thing. You yeah. Know? And if you do find a part, it is extremely expensive. Yeah. Extremely, extremely expensive. Even taillights. Dude. It's insane on how much, you know, and even though in the last 10 years, you know, I would say in the early 90s, People didn't give a shit about this car, yeah. you know. There was people at tow yards or whatever. They would get it. And no, they would try to. No one. Wa- I heard a story from somebody. I don't remember exactly who it was, but their friend was a scrap metal. You know, they would get old cars and and scrap them. Well, he was telling me that uh, his buddy used to crush zeppers all the time. You know, they would get the three window. They'd get the three window coupes. It's a huge three passenger car. Yeah. Or. You know, get two people, one driver, one passenger, maybe one in the middle, right? These are the coupes. Um, they would get them. They'd try to sell them. Nobody wanted them. It was a huge car, and they were crushing them, crushing them, crushing them. Like, there's nothing, you know? And 10, 15 years ago, it really wasn't that 
you know, to the purists, they, they know what the car is worth and all that, you know, it was a very rare car, but I think like it being introduced into our culture really sparked a huge interest in the car. You got Rudy that came out with his Henry scrape. I mean, these are big cars that, I mean, these are cars that inspired me, you know, and then look what I'm trying to do with the car, you know? Um, then you got uh, other cars that came out. Lalo came out with his. Um, then Lars ended up getting Lalo's. And it was just a train of people that got it. You know, James Hetfield. I think James Hetfield's car really sparked a lot of interest. You know, there's other cars too. This guy Rich that had a 39 Zephyr that's bare metal. Beautiful car. You know, I mean, all these Zephyrs starting to come up. And like people are starting to recognize them. They're hard to get. They're bringing big money now yeah. you know i mean a, a 37 parts car that's not even like it's missing crap it's got holes every, it's forty thousand dollars who the hell is gonna pay that much for a fucking project you know what i mean but i mean go find another one because they're rare you know luckily like with me doing zephyr society you know people message me hey i got this for sale it's pretty cool because like i know people now you know um, like it's a little easier for me to get parts and I try to share it with the community and stuff, you know, but, um, it's kind of crazy to see the car go from, I don't want to say nothing because the car was something always, but to be not as recognized to being extremely sought after. Like if someone was to walk in a barn 15 years ago and see a Zephyr, oh, that's a cool car. You're like, yeah, yeah. But if someone was to now, it's like, holy shit, that's a fucking Zephyr. How much you want for this? Either they're going to build it or they're going to flip it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I remember that one in the barn is 10 grand. And right. In high school, it's like, I will never have 10 grand in my pocket. But it's crazy to see, like, yeah. within that time, the it's car just bro- got, brought, got raised up so high, you know? I think... It's cool to see it happen, but it's also sad to see it happen because now the cars are becoming unattainable to certain people, yeah. you know, um, what the future holds for it. I don't know. I surely hope I'm a big part of it in a positive way. You know? and are you seeing people inspired by your fixing up old rusted out four doors? I hope so. <laughs> uh, either I'm inspiring them not to mess with them or inspiring them to like build something cool, you yeah. know, and now the four doors are going to be expensive too. And actually, four-doors are beautiful cars, too. I would love to have a four-door. You know, I think that's the, you know, in my future, if I ever finish these things, you know, I would love to have a four-door. The the crazy thing is all all of Lincoln's cars in that year, you got the the Continental, which was the higher end. Mm -hmm. You got the four-door sedan. You got the three. The three-window coupe was actually the lowest model. Now it's the most sought after. It's kind of weird how it switched. You know what I mean? Then you have the convertible, and then you have the K series, you know, or the K model. I mean, they're just a very beautiful, luxurious car, you know. Um, I think, like, I think with me building these things and like taking, like, pushing my levels, and I don't know, I, I, I really just would like to, like, okay, I'm building this 38 four door sedan into a two door convertible. This thing sucks. Like, it's fucking rotten. It's a piece of crap. Right. But the best part is, is, like, I'm seeing past all that. You know? I can't afford a convertible. There's no way. Right. So, if you can't afford it, but you have the skills or you can, you know, learn how to have the skills, you can make it. 
and that's what I'm doing. I can't afford it, so I'm building it, you know? I got lucky. You know, I'm hoping to inspire people to, like, push themselves and not be afraid of shit. You know what I mean? It's only fucking metal. You know, you can always, if you if you fuck up on a panel, guess what? You can throw it away and you can buy a new piece and make a new one, you know? Um, I think it's more or less me fulfilling a dream. And I, you know, I think I really would like to, like, people to see how much passion and drive I have and, like, feed off of it. I think more, like, it's hard to say, but I really do hope people are inspired by it, you know? I think they are. I mean, it's it's hard to ignore. You're doing. I'm like doing stuff, stuff like I don't know how to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the the, the honesty of, of doing that and people can see like, hey, this is a builder that I know and I respect, who's doing something new and like, like for me, I was asking a bunch of questions about how you're building the, the yeah the 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 shape grid and the buck and all the that shape stuff. Grid, the buck and the plastic or the the tape forms and all that. Right. And, I don't know how to do that and it's awesome that you're taking on something new and it's like for me it, it's totally inspiring like yeah that's awesome and you don't even do this right that's <laughs> the best part but you can transfer you can transfer my energy my passion and somehow twist it in a way that it affects your own life you know what I mean totally and I'm like well I got I got plans for my cars that I don't know how to do but I'm like well What's the what's the fucking worst thing that can happen? Yeah. It doesn't work out, and yeah. then you get to do it again. Right, and then you know, oh, don't do that. Let's learn another way. Totally, you know. I mean, there, you know, when you're building your own stuff, there's no timeline. There's no, sure. you know. I mean, I know how to metal shape, but not to this extent. You know what I mean? I'm just used to making sail panels and patch panels and shit like basic stuff. You know what I mean? But now, like, I'm on this journey with coach builders. You know, I mean, we're talking real metal shapers, guys that are building cars from scratch, you know, and I hope to someday be able to do that. You know, this Zephyr convertible conversion is probably one of the biggest projects I'm taking on. I feel really good about it. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm soothing the fire because I'm progressing, you know, I'm challenging myself. Um, but someday I would really like to build my version of Adela Hay. You know, to me, that car is absolutely the most beautiful car in the world, and I want to have one, you know. And, uh, you know, there's only one way to learn, and that's to do it, you know. I've sacrificed so much crap to, like, go to these classes, to buy all these tools, you know, and to meet people along the way, you know. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. I don't know how long it's going to take me to do it, but, <laughs> you know. But every day, every time I work out, I'm learning something new. It's And it's... I gotta say, it's been fun to watch. Like, we've known you for, for a long time. I've been following your build since, I mean, I went to Bulletproof in 2002 was my first time. Mm -hmm. And I think you, I probably saw you right around that time. And it's it's been really inspiring to see you just keep progressing and keep getting better. It's like, you know, at first it was the, the, the sort of rough hot rods and then right. moving into a lot of the more the suspension stuff. But it seems like you guys got that figured out. Like you know how to get a car on the ground and to watch you transition into more of the, the higher end metal shaping stuff it's it's really inspiring i think a lot of it comes too with with age you yeah. know i was younger more into like loud and then nowadays it's like peaceful you know you start to enjoy more of life you know i don't know just some, like the concourse cars and dude they're just so gorgeous man like i guess you pay more attention to the lines and like the efforts and the work that goes in that stuff, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a trip. I, 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 it's awesome to hear that you're inspired, dude, because that's like something that I really feed off of and I really, really want, you know, it's not a pride thing or anything. I want to inspire people. You know, it makes me feel good about myself. It makes me like you being inspired inspires me. It's, it really is that strong. Nobody sucks. They're just in a different part of their journey. Right. You know, like my beginning, that was the best I could do. It's okay to do the best you can do. When you start no, doing where you know you could do better and then you do worse, that's when you suck. Yeah. You know, but hey, we all got to learn. Nobody learned. I'm, I've been in business 14 years now. And like you said, dude, the progression is insane. Yeah. You know, there was some time where I got burnt out. You know, I mean, I do it every single day, sure. every day I go home and I'm doing car stuff. The weekends I'm doing car stuff, you know, it takes its toll on you. You know, it comes very repetitive, but you go in and out of that. Like any artist, you know what I mean? Any, and I consider myself an artist, you know, not just a car builder, but you know, this stuff is art to me. I love it so much. Like I, I can get into a zone, but, uh. I forgot what the hell is going with this. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know, man. Just the passion and the drive and everything. It's, you know, to inspire people. Like, I think, like, I was so affected by by Larry, by Voodoo Larry. Like, it rooted to this day. And I'll give him praise for it till the day I die. Because that was huge for me. You have someone that's been doing this for a long time, is somebody, and spent the time to not be an asshole, and literally spent hours on the phone with me. Dude, it's epic, you know, and then other people followed after, you know, and I don't know. I just, I want to be that person in other people's lives. You know what I mean? I want, I don't want to be forgotten. You know what I mean? Like I want to continue to be like somebody in everyone's life. You know what I mean? In a positive way, you know, whether it's inspiring someone to fucking do something cool or look at life differently, you know, definitely like, I feel like, I feel like that's what I need to do, you know? Awesome. Yeah. So we're just about at an hour and a half. Uh, wow, that's I, crazy, dude. Yeah. Like, do you feel like we got it? Do you feel like there's anything else that we didn't cover? No, I think we covered, covered it pretty well. Awesome, man. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. This is a lot of fun. Hell yeah. And, and very inspiring. Awesome. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> it's good to see you doing this too, though. You know, you're feeling your dream. Okay. You know? And like, still figuring this thing out. And that's part of life, man. Just don't give up. You know what I mean? There's going to be rough times and low times. And, dude, you just got to power through them, man. You know, they're a test to your uh, testament to your passion, you know? Totally. Right on. Hell yeah. Well, all right, folks. There you have it. Episode 18. Thank you so much. Uh, and thank you, Scotty, for, for taking the time out to talk with me. I really hope this, uh, this episode inspires you guys. You know, while Scotty and I have chosen very different career paths... When it comes to cars, we pretty much started out at the same place, and so it really inspires me to see uh, what he's done with that and how far he's taken himself and how much he's pushed himself to learn more and to, to get better, and I can't wait to see where he's at in the next you know, 5, 10, 20 years. He's really on the right path to do some amazing stuff, and, uh, and it didn't take much, you know, like, like we talked about in the interview. It took dedication. It took passion. And it took time. And uh, I think that's stuff that that's relatively easy to come by. You know, all of us have challenges. There's a lot of stuff that's keeping us from our goals. But for me, hearing people like Scotty or, 
or any of the other people that I've had the opportunity to sit down with and talk to for this show, it really inspires me to hear about how they came over whatever barrier it was. If it was just lack of experience or if they had some serious hurdles to, to jump over, it really motivates me to get out and, and just try harder. It's really convenient to sit back in a place of safety and uh, build up false walls between you and your goals. And this podcast, you know, sitting down and having these conversations and recording them and listening to them over and over and over as I try to get the audio as clean as possible for you guys, it really sticks that, that the people that are successful are the ones that want it bad, you know? And, of course, that's not a panacea. Some people want it bad and don't make it. But I, I haven't ran into anyone yet who's been super successful just by accident. So uh, I, I hope you guys can get some motivation from this podcast, some inspiration, or at least some entertainment. That's that's the, the bare minimum of what I'm shooting for. So uh, if it does, awesome. If not, I'll keep trying harder. I got some really exciting stuff coming up in the podcast that I hope you guys will dig. But until then, my name is Nick, and I'll uh, sign out until next time. Thank you so much for listening.